Hello and welcome to season two of Chatting to a Friend. Season one was the most amazing experience for me and the life lessons and wisdom I learned from my guests, plus the fun I had was absolutely beyond my wildest dreams. The goal for season two is to add more variety and diversity to my guest list. I absolutely love adventure and sport and so those will still feature heavily, but I wanted to talk to more women who have very different life experiences to mine, careers, backgrounds and challenges that I wanted to learn more about to widen my understanding and broaden my horizons. I realise there's a lot of me, me, me in this intro, but it's because I still feel like it's the most extraordinary privilege for me to talk to and learn from these women. And so even if no one's listening, it remains the most personal of all my projects. Having said that, from the amazing feedback I've had and how much you have kept listening between seasons, I know you're going to love these conversations too. Please don't forget to rate and review the podcast either on Apple or on lovethepodcast.com forward slash chatting to a friend. I can't wait to hear how you love season two. Today's guest is Belinda Kirk, who is an explorer, an author and a speaker. And she is the living embodiment of how adventure can change your life. And she's not only the living embodiment, but she's written a book about it called Adventure Revolution. And the conversation is about how adventure is not just a luxury, it's not a frivolous thing, that it is actually essential to our physical and mental well-being, to our growth, to getting back to our roots as hunter-gatherers, as how it, it's just everything about it is is empowering and enriching and makes for a, a better version of your life, of yourself. And it's a fascinating subject. The book is out now and available to buy. Belinda set up Explorers Connect many, many years ago to get people together to go on adventures. And she has been instrumental in, in helping to open up the outdoors and adventure to people who may not necessarily have had that opportunity before. She is a brilliant conversationalist, full of chat and stories. And I just loved speaking to her. And I know you're going to really want to hear her challenge for me at the end, which I am very excited about. Enjoy. Hi, Belinda. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, I'm just really excited to talk to you because I love the stuff that you do and the sort of the adventures you've had are just oh, so extraordinary. And I want to come on to the book that you've just written. But first of all, I wanted to ask you, so I'm a little bit fascinated by how people describe themselves. And I wanted to know, so your sort of tagline is explorer, author, speaker. So author and speaker, you can clearly say, well, I wrote a book and I speak to people. I'm really interested to know at what point in your career did you feel the necessary confidence or belief in what you were doing to call yourself an explorer? Well, that's a good question. No one's asked me that before. Um, I, I can't actually remember when I started using that term. I think, I think actually someone else started using the term about me first because <laughs> imposter syndrome, typical female trait. Um, mm. I don't know if I actually used that term for a long time. Um, I really can't remember when, but um, I think, 
since I've been calling myself an explorer, the term adventurer came up and that was being used about 10 years ago quite a lot. And I never Mm. really thought, well, I thought, well, I'm kind of both, but I never really liked the ring of adventurer. I don't know why. Um, (laughs) I prefer, I prefer explorer because I not only have explored lots of um, places new to me and taken people as well into new places, but also I, I'm very much, I want to explore the meaning of adventuring and the meaning of travel and, and what we do. So I suppose exploring ideas, exploring landscapes, explorers seem to be a better fit. Uh, that's a great way of putting it. It's not just about exploring unknown territories, but it's exploring the ideas and exploring how to expand the world for people who may not necessarily have that opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, it's just made me thought of um, the first time I used the word. I was actually, I um, when I was a teenager, there, there were no female role models, really. It, the, the big explorers were all, were all guys. Mm. And, um, and then Fiona Campbell came along. And she's the woman um, who walked around the world, first person to walk around mm-hmm. the world. And um, she was all over the TV at the time, and it was like, wow, women do this as well. And I remember going to my careers advisor at school. I remember the careers advice, the careers sort of uh, uh, room was actually a tiny little box room, but with a window in the back mm-hmm. corner. And I remember sitting mm-hmm. in there and looking at her and said, and she was going, well, what do you want to be when you grow up kind of thing? And I said, I want to be an explorer. Um, and she basically t- just talked me out of it. It's like, well, that's not really a job. Um, uh, and I, I beg to differ now. But, um, yeah, I, that's the first time that I think I wanted to be, I sort of verbalised it and thought, oh, I want to do that. Um, but it's funny. And what came out of that meeting with the careers advisor? Where did you go from there? At the time I was, I was doing Duke of Edinburgh award um, expeditions in Britain and was really enjoying those. Um, I had always wanted to be um, or study biology. I always wanted to do biology as a degree. It was always like, oh, I need to, you know, be sensible and get a degree, but uh, uh, but also do you know f- pursue this adventuring that I wanted to do and this exploring. So I went to university. Well, I went off on a gap year first. So when I finished school, they weren't so sort of popular back then. Gap years weren't sort of a, not many people did a gap mm. year, and um, I know that my parents particularly were pretty against it and it was like you know you either mm. need to get a job or go to to study you know what on earth do you mean you're just going to take a year off bum around mm. <laughs> um, but I had this calling to go to Africa and I um my because so my grandfather was a zoology professor largely working in Africa and he his tales of Africa would I don't know they'd always um they just called to me I was like well I want to do something for myself I'd been very compliant up to that point I worked very hard at school I think I was constantly trying to please everyone, and actually, I did better in my uh, in my deg- uh, in my A levels and stuff that I've, than anyone thought I would, and I got all A's. And so it gave me it gave me a bit of confidence. Uh, the Duke of Edinburgh Award adventures, and also getting better grades, it gave me this window. I said, "Well, what about if I try for a university? Yeah, one of the top universities." And, um, but that would mean I'd have this year and it was a kind of, it was a kind of great opportunity, um, because it also meant that I had this year to go off. So I travel around Africa. I was quite terrified, <laughs> but also I'm always getting myself into trouble by, there's a great technique that if you, if you want to do something, but you know, you're going to potentially scare yourself and maybe back out, 
is to tell everyone that you're going to do this thing. Yes. <laughs> and then you're so, I, I was so much more fearful of the social embarrassment of not actually going through with it. Um, that, um, that was worse than whatever could happen in Africa. <laughs> and obviously I did want to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, typical teenage stuff. Um, so I was out in Africa um, I worked first with an organization. So I spent three months with a research organization doing biological field work in um, the monsoonal forests in eastern Tanzania. And I just loved it. I just couldn't believe, you know, basically the schoolgirls stood in this rainforest in, in Africa thinking, I can't really believe I'm here. And mm-hmm. I just loved it. And I, I did some work studying black and white colobus monkeys that was just magical. It's just such a, a world of wonder. And I hadn't, I'd always done what everyone had told me to do up until that point. And this was my first decision I'd made for myself. And it really paid off. And I was like, God, I don't know how I can keep doing this, but I've got to keep doing this. Um, and then I traveled around after that on my own, travel around Africa on my own, because everyone else had to go back to work or study or whatever, and went all over East Africa. Really, I think that's phenomenal because we were just discussing before we started recording that I we are not dissimilar in age. And I did my gap year after university and it was a very, not nearly as remote and perhaps as groundbreaking as what you did. But it was, again, back in those days, people didn't really do gap years, didn't really take years out. And you would have been similar to me, no email, no mobiles, no nothing. And I just... I'm interested to know how how you felt. Were there times where you wished you hadn't bothered and you needed to go home or did you just love it from beginning to end or something in between? (laughs) Probably a bit of all of that, but I I, I don't think I ever felt like I I shouldn't have bothered. I had a few, I had a few bad days where I did think, why on earth am I I here? You know, because it was, it was scary. Um, no, I mean, but mostly I just remember feeling alive and feeling like, wow, there's a world out here and I can be who I want to be in it. Um, and I'd never really considered that I could choose who I wanted to be. I mean, I it, it crossed my mind, but, you know, even talking to that careers advisor, it's like, oh, no, you can't be that. I, I mean, yeah. it, it was like, you know, okay, I could dabble in this sort of thing. I could go on holidays or adventures or whatever, but, you know, sensible, the sensible world was back was back in reality and I had you know that was always going to be where I had to go back to but I didn't know I just I mean everything was different I think when you go and you get yourself completely out of your comfort zone and whether it be an adventuring or traveling like that and I just everything was different everything I knew about the world was different to what I thought uh, including started to to be more confident in myself and in what I was capable of and I, and I think that's still now, I think that's the biggest or one of the biggest benefits of adventuring and traveling is that you find out what you're capable of when you push yourself to do something, even when you get a bit scared or if it's difficult. The great thing about your physical challenge is that you're fully in amongst it. There's no turning, there's no time out. There's a, I don't know. It's a great way of finding out what you're capable of. And then when you find out what you're capable of, you can't really see yourself in, in, the, in the same way. I mean, everything changes. Um, so for me, it was just going to Africa was piece by piece, a way of building confidence that I'd never had. I had a, 
I'd had some difficulties in my in my later childhood. I, I mean, and, and I don't know. Don't all teenage girls go through a certain amount of of you know teenage angst? And you know, I had really low self esteem. I never, you know, I never felt like I fitted in or that I was good enough. And then here I was in Africa, surviving it all, doing stuff that I couldn't have even imagined that I could do. And I just, mm. I came back empowered, supercharged sort of thing. So mm-hmm. it, it, it was a huge, it was a huge choice. I mean, the fact that I did it and went through with it, it changed everything. I do, I don't know where I'd be if I hadn't done that. Mm. Uh, the, the one thing I want to ask is, did you then go on to do a university degree or did you just say that this is it, I know what I want to do? No, I did. I did because I thought, um, I mean, it's very hard, especially at that age, to to be really confident in what you want to do and stand up to everyone else saying, oh, well, you can't do that. I thought, well, I have to get a degree because that's what people do, you know, mm. or an apprenticeship yeah. or something. It's like I have to, you know, I have to keep one foot in the in the real world, in the, you know, to have to be sensible. So, and also, I mean, I did... I did like the idea of university. It sounded fun. <laughs> There's a lot of clubs and stuff. <laughs> I didn't really go, my poor tutor, I hope he doesn't hear this. I mean, I did go to university to learn, but I mostly went to experience. I wanted to experience all that a university could give. And, and so I was very lucky. I got into Oxford University um, to do zoological sciences. Wow. Um, and I had three years of just, I mean, there were so many clubs and, um, there were so many opportunities. I I used to do ice hockey at sort of two in the morning. Then I <laughs> then I'd get up and go and do rowing um, at like seven in the morning, and then I'd go back to bed and miss all my morning lectures. And then, <laughs> which is why I, <laughs> I flunked out completely on invertebrates. It was terrible, terrible. Oh. <laughs> I never made that lecture ever in my whole three years. I think. And of course, I joined the expedition society at Oxford. And that was huge for me. That was just like, wow, look, there's other people who want to do this stuff. And mm. we even had amazing people. We had Wilfred Thessinger come and speak at our dinner one time. And he is, I don't know if people remember him now, but he was absolutely groundbreaking explorer. And it's mm. like, wow. And he came, he came and spoke at our expedition society dinner. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was just I was able to. Yeah, so I, 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 I then between the 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 year the university years, I would do expeditions in the you know really big summer chunks that you'd have really mm. long summer holidays. I could go off and do. I went to Borneo the first time. Um, I tried to cross Borneo. Utter disaster. Really funny though. Um, everyone was safe, you know, but um, it was me and my best friend. Um. But we didn't hardly any get, we didn't really get very far at all. But we had so, we learnt so much by making such big mistakes and not knowing what we were doing. Um, and we had a great adventure and uh, we were there for their 50th anniversary of the, the independence. And uh, it was extraordinary. We had an extraordinary time anyway. I find that really extraordinary because, you know, I did, as I say, went away travelling by myself when I was after university, but then I came back and sort of slotted back into the be sensible, get a job and that sort of thing. And I, I'm so, I find it so admirable. And I assume you kind of that self-confidence, that buzz, that kind of, I can't believe I can actually do this just fortified 
the will to make this your life? I don't, yeah. Well, at the time it was, it was just, I had these opportunities, I just saw opportunities. There was opportunities mm. in these summer holidays. These were my opportunities. And if, and you know, I had to use them. It was, it was, um, I didn't know where it would all end, but I had mm. to use them. And I don't know if it was even a choice. It was almost like I just felt like I had to as well, because I felt, mm. I felt, I felt alive like I hadn't felt before. And I couldn't, I just, I don't know. I just couldn't ignore that. I couldn't leave that behind me. Mm. So I had to pursue it. It was almost like a junkie, you know, I was like hooked. I was (laughs) like, I I need to feel alive. I need to work out what there is out there. Um, I don't know if it was, um, sometimes people sort of say, oh, it's just bravery doing all this. I mean, there was definitely no bravery. I was really naive. (laughs) 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 And stupidity was a good thing because when I think, when I think back to the near misses and the scrapes I had, because I was so green, Mm. I just think, oh my goodness. And the thought of my, my brother is um, 13 years younger and he went traveling and I was that bit older and I, I was, I was worrying about him traveling, thinking, oh, goodness. <laughs> and I was thinking, I'm such a hypocrite. I can't tell him not to do it. But I totally understand yeah. now. As you get older, you understand the risks. Um, well, not the risks. You understand that there are, yeah. you, you can break. Um, and I think when you're an 18, 19-year-old, you don't, or at least me, my, the 18-year-old version of me, I just thought, well, there's a certain, you know, certain indestructibility at that age. And then as you go through life, you lose, lose friends or, or, or people, or you get injured yes. or, or people that you love get injured. And, and then you, you kind of start to, you kind of start to, yeah, draw back a bit or something. I don't know that I just thought, well, I don't know where it's all going to end, but I've, I've got to use these opportunities. I'm very good at sits of at saying, mm. well, what's the worst that could happen? And maybe that's what Africa taught me. And I think that is a great thing that adventure teaches you generally. You Instead of thinking, oh, God, yeah. I can't do that because of all these reasons, where you think, well, I might be able to do it. So what's the worst that could happen? Oh, yeah, I could fail at this, yeah. I could fail at that. And, and I, I mean, I completely get it because my uh, I have a daughter who's 11. And, you know, I was like you. I was just like wide-eyed and... <laughs> just going okay well let's just go I've always wanted to do this so let's go and no mobile no email and I think about when the time comes when she tells me she wants to do something like that and I'm just gonna have to go yep just go just go because I did it and how could I possibly say no I'm really interested in your and I know you've written the book on it so I want to come on to that but you said it earlier about the physical changes once you have physically changed or challenged yourself in a way that you never thought you possibly could that you can't see yourself in the same way and it took me a lot longer in my life to realize that and it's something I discuss a lot with many of my guests but you've actually written a book and and so obviously experience and knowledge that it happens tells you teaches you that but there's a lot of science behind that sort of thing this adventuring to make your life better what got you interested in the science of that? And can you give us examples? About 19 years ago, <laughs> I was, um, so I, I, going further back, I always knew that adventure had been my therapy. I, mm-hmm. um, I'd had a difficult 
childhood and had had this extremely low self-esteem and had um had survived that but I had rebuilt my confidence through adventuring and so I I always talk about adventuring as my therapy and and as I said it also it makes me feel alive it's where I find joy um Mm. Um, it's not the only place I find joy, but it's where I find a hell of a lot of joy. So for me, positive emotions, all these things, I was always really interested in why people didn't really see adventure as being something good. It's almost seen as mm. being something frivolous and like, oh, you know, when you get a proper job, why, wh- where are you going off to now? Where are you going on holiday next? <laughs> it's my favourite. Mm. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you've heard that. It's like it's not a holiday. I knew that there was something really interesting about it. And I was always sort of interested. I was kind of, it piqued my curiosity, but I never did anything about it. And then 19 years ago, I was literally stood outside the Royal Geographical Society. I just, I was 26. I was the youngest chief leader to have led uh, an expedition for the British Exploring Society. It was six months after the expedition and all of the expedition, we were all there to present our findings at the RGS. And I stood in the rain um, with all these young people that I'd taken. I mean, I was young myself, but even younger people, uh, sort of 16, uh, well, I think 18 to 20 sort of three-year-olds. And I was stood in the rain chatting to them and waiting to go in. This woman came up to me and she said, what have you done to my daughter? And I remember thinking, oh, no. Is this one of the kids <laughs> who got a parasite? Because um, there's always lots of jungle parasites in the Amazon. Or maybe it's one of, uh, maybe it was the girl that got bitten by a bat because we were doing bat netting surveys and I ha- she had to have this huge, I mean, like, I don't know, eight inch uh, injection into her stomach in the ho- in the hospital. Oh. I was thinking, oh no, you know, who, what is this about? I'm going to be in trouble here. And then she gave me this huge bear hug and she said, she's so different. She's, you know, she's helping at home. She's doing, re- she's doing much better at school. Um, and she's got, she's starting to make friends again. And it turned out that this was the mum of Alice and Alice had been a, um, an 18 year old on my, on my expedition to Amazon. And she had struggled. I mean, I saw a lot of her, of myself in her at the time. Um, Alice had struggled. She'd had a history of, um, I think probably depression, although I don't think it was maybe diagnosed as that at the time. Um, and also self harm. And she had mm. struggled, you know, phys- uh, sort of physically, emotionally, socially, academically. And she'd come on the expedition, I think, because her parents had sort of pushed it. And she, at first, was very withdrawn and wouldn't, didn't fit in. Over the course of the expedition, she, um, she started to make relationships, build bonds, build confidence. I mean, it was amazing to watch. Um, and I thought, yeah, this is, mm. this is the power of adventure, you know, and I'd seen this many times, but I'd never really thought that it would transfer back to the rest of her life. So it, so, so powerfully. And here we all were stood in the rain six months later and her mum was telling me how her life was now transformed and she was transformed. So, and it's, it finally, it, it really made me think this is adventure can be used in a, as a, it's an amazingly powerful tool and it can have a lasting impact. And it's not just the relief that you feel on expedition or the, the confidence you feel on an adventure. It's, it's the fact that you change on that adventure and then 
you find out what you can do or, or you, you find self-awareness or you build all of these skills, resilience. I mean, there's so many. But then you come back to the rest of your world and the rest of your life and the rest of your career or relationships. And you are you have, you know, have all these new gifts. And I think that's where adventure is so powerful. And I think that we've stripped it out of modern life to the point in the Western world. Uh, to the point where actually if we if we engage in it, if we choose to ch- take on challenges, we can get all the benefits of um, of adventuring um, for, for, for our whole, you know, for our whole existence. And this is presumably something that you don't have to do when you're 18. This is this can be done at any age. This is something I learned, you know, much later on in life, I think. I think it's absolutely a part of being human. So it's innate in everyone. And um, I mean, the book talks about everything from children and, and how adventure, you know, amazing stories of children uh, transforming through adventure all the way up to, um, I think, a Paddy, who's 88. And she she's uh, <laughs> one of the stories in the book and how, you know, um, she had her first night under the stars at, on her 88th birthday. There's definitely no age limit. And but also, I don't think there's a, a limit about. I don't think you have to travel overseas um, mm. and to very expensive, far flung places. For the first half of my career, I thought that expeditions change lives. That's always what I would tell people. It's like expeditions are really important. Everyone should do at least one expedition in their life. It, it will change your life because the evidence I had at the time was that I had been on an expedition. It had changed my life. I'd taken lots of young people on these youth development expeditions. Um, I'd taken all of lots of young people on expedition. It changed and I'd seen so many of them transform positively. Mm. But it was in the last decade, I suppose, that I've seen, I've run a lot more adventures close to home uh, in England and small adventures, you know, not not necessarily multi, you know, not sort of like for three weeks or three months at a time, but maybe just three days. And mm. you can also find adventure really close to home um, without the concerns of, you know, let's face it, the concerns that we all have about flying now and, and you know, the the mental wrangling I have about whether I should, you know, should I really fly over to this place and so on and so forth. And so, yeah, you can, f- I think adventures for everyone uh, of any age and it can be found on your doorstep. And the reason it's so important is because we evolved to live adventurously that's our that's our normal um this um I, I i researched a lot of evolutionary psychology during the book um all sorts of areas actually um all sorts of disciplines from tourism adventure tourism research um outdoor education research um positive psychology all all sorts of things but also evolutionary psychology and and for me, what fits and what makes sense is that we evolve to live as hunter gatherers. Mm. That's our, our minds and bodies are still are still um, perfectly adapted to live a hunter gatherer mm. life. And so, when you live a life that is completely devoid of the elements that a hunter gatherer would live, you actually get a mismatch. Um, and this evolutionary mismatch is what causes which is proven to cause a lot of our, say, physical diseases, mm. such as um, diabetes, heart disease, obesity. You know, if we were all walking 20 miles a day, hunting, hunting and gathering, we wouldn't have um, all those sorts of issues. But I think there's also the mental mm. side 
the well-being side, the you know, the fully holistic well-being side. We also we're supposed to live in this um, outdoors in nature with natural varied challenge, i.e., adventures. And when we do that, we are our best selves and we are our healthiest selves. Um, I, I don't I don't intend to grow old um, disgracefully. I intend to grow old adventurously because I'm never going to stop <laughs> doing adventures. That's how I feel alive. Oh, that sounds, I like that. I'm going to steal that expression and use it as my own, um, grow old adventurously. And you... <laughs> So there are a couple of things that have obviously changed in the last couple of couple of years or so. You have become a mum, and there's been a global pandemic. So how have you managed this, growing older adventurously through those changes in in your life? Adventure can teach you so much. It can help you teach you to face fear, to grow, to learn, um, how to build good relationships, um, how to find. Mm meaning in life I mean there's so many ways that adventure can and that's what the book's about just really delving into so many ways that adventure can help us so what I um I think and one of those things is that adventure teaches you resilience but it it also teaches you to see opportunity mm. rather than threat um now the last 18 months has obviously been um I don't even know how to put it into words I mean just I mean, it's the, one of the worst things we'll ever, all of us will live through. And obviously not everyone has lived through it. Lots of things mm. crumbled around me. But, but um, for example, all of the adventures that I take people on um, and the adventure courses and so on, I, I love teaching people how to, to do their own adventures, like navigation or, or expedition leadership. Um, I also love taking people on adventures. Everything that I do as my usual sort of career just folded. It was gone. And that was obviously stressful at the beginning. It was like, oh, yeah, crikey. But because of the resilience I've built through doing adventures, I was also able, after the first shock of it and the kind of the frustration of cancelling things and, you know, all that work disappearing, that, you know, all the hours and days of work that had gone in to build things um, mm. and then just cancel them. It was terrible. And all the sadness of not going on them. Um, I was then able to think, well, what am I going to do with this time, you know, what, with this time? And I was actually like, I must say, I was really grateful of the mm. time and for everything falling down around me because I, I would never mm -hmm. have finished the book. I actually used the lockdowns to write the book. And I've been talking about this book for about six years <laughs> um, or seven years or something. And I'd had all the research and the interviews ready. Um, I'd had a I had a little boy, so that obviously um, had a two-year, two or two and a half year hiatus having a little boy. But I kind of thought this is my chance, and also I think this is yeah, this is my chance to finally do the book. And um, so, um, and also I had all that extra time with my with my son, and realised that I didn't want to go travelling without him actually, and have adventures without him. So it's been a huge sort of upheaval of like, well, what do I want to do with my life and, and my career and where am I going and da-da-da. And that is scary and there's a lot of uncertainty. And I think it's, you know, I think society, we, we're very, we, we've built a society where we build, we build in so much certainty into everything or, or, the, or the appearance of certainty that we're not very good at uncertainty. Mm. And so, but I was able to try and get through the difficulties that I was seeing and, and experiencing 
and just tried to see, well, no, I've, I've got to make the best of this. And so I found it, it was actually in the end an opportunity to finish the book, which I'm enormously grateful for. It's an opportunity to spend extra time with my little boy, um, who's just about to turn four. And I think I've had more time with him than I would have otherwise. And I'm so glad of that. <laughs> with your the website that you have, Explorers Connect, which you've had set up for quite a long time, how do you, what was the sort of general feeling within, because I think you've got quite a community in there, haven't you? What was the sort of general feeling? Did, did most people with that kind of frame of mind and experience feel the same? Or was there sort of a, you know, throwing up of hands and thinking, oh, I can't do all the things I want to do? I think at the start there was frustration and confusion, wasn't there? Because nobody, I mean, nobody really, mm. I mean, if you'd said to everyone two years ago, we're going to, our lives will be completely up, like completely changed for the next two years. No one would have believed it. So I think for the first, for me anyway, for the first month and uh, or few months, well, no, maybe the month or two um, was um, rather than cancelling mm. everything, I was trying to rearrange everything and, and understand how to, do things differently or we'll do it differently, but we'll do it safely, but we'll still be able to do this stuff. And then eventually it dawned on me and, and everyone else. It's like, no, we actually, we can't mm. just do it differently. You know, we, we, we can't fly to other countries. We can't, um, we can't mix. We can't socialize. I mean, it was just like, Oh, there was a realization. And, uh, I think everyone had to, I mean, no one knew at the start just what it, well, very few people would have known what it, what was coming. But I think, um, I think everyone just, I think everyone, I, I can't speak of how, how people dealt with it from my friendship groups and so on. And from, um, people I, you know, adventures I know through Explorers Connect. I think definitely a lot of people thought if they were lucky enough not to lose people or lose their health, they were, trying to find the opportunity of like, right, well, everything's fallen down, but what can we do instead? You know, let's do something else. Let's find another way. I mean, a great example of that is how people have found a lot of doorstep adventures and, you know, nature and um, exploration just, you know, mm. within their local vicinity. And that's quite exciting. And, and, and uh, I think a really important thing is when something this awful happens like the pandemic is we have to honor the people that have suffered the most or have been mm. lost through it by building, by, by moving forwards and learn, learning from this time and moving forwards to make our future better than it was. And, you know, so I think the idea of staycations and, and not traveling so much, and I don't know, I would love to think that people are more environmental and <laughs> because of pandemic mm. and maybe we'll fly less because they realize they don't have to do quite so many flights um but you're not that I, i'm saying anyone uh, people shouldn't fly i mean quite <laughs> be a real hypocrite I've, I've spent i spent a huge amount of my time my life flying but now that i'm older and, and now that we have more information on the climate issues that we face it is it is mm. it isn't fair for the but it is a different uh, it's a different equation now when mm. you take a flight in your head, you have to make a different, it's a different set of, it's a different set of values. But um, yeah, so I think, um, I think adventure, it definitely, I mean, the reason adventure is so good at teaching you to, to face up to these sorts of times and to deal with them is that if you imagine, if you imagine 
there's lots of ways of explaining this, but one of my favourite ways is the comfort stretch zone model. If you imagine we all live in our comfort zone um, and our comfort zone is all the things that are mm. familiar to us and that we do, um, that we feel very comfortable with. So we might go to work the same way every day. We might pick uh, subjects at school that we are, that we think we'll do well at rather than the ones that we want to push ourselves in. Um, um, you know, it's sitting on the sofa with Netflix. Comfort zone is good. But if we only reside in our comfort zone, we don't learn what we're capable of um, and we can't build resilience. We, we can't learn. It's, you learn mostly when you step out of our comfort zone, and you step into the stretch zone. And so if you imagine there's a circle around you and that's your life and that's your familiar comfort zone, when you try something new, particularly if you take on an adventure because you're so immersive, body and mind, and you step out into the stretch zone where you're where you are uncomfortable, where you are, um, you know, where you are um, doing something that's scary. Maybe um, you learn how you, you, you. Well, that's where all your lessons are. You don't learn through caution. Mm. You learn through making mistakes. You also find out what you're capable of. Um, and the beautiful thing is that once you step out of that circle, you don't then step back into your comfort zone, but actually your comfort zone comes out mm. to meet you as it were. So then you become comfortable with something else that's different and was scary to you before, but now it's just, Oh, I'm now comfortable with that. So what happens is that circle around you yep. grows. And therefore, if you like your, your life is enriched and your life grows and grows and grows and your, your experience and therefore your resilience grows because what you're comfortable with is a much broader set of, um, ideas and, and and situations so um and you know you've fallen and you've gotten back mm. up again and you've carried on and so when something like a pandemic comes along you have I think you're more able to deal with the uncertainty with the um f- you know the failures you know things cra- you know things breaking down around you as it were um, you know careers being stopped or, or jobs being lost or whatever um you're you're more capable of dealing with that and and seeing that this is a, a form this is a way that you can it's not only bad but it might be a way mm. that you can grow it might be a way that you can find a new experience a new way of living and i think and without again without detracting from the trauma and the the the, the terrible things that have happened we have to honor the people um honor everyone and, and the suffering everyone's been through by going, well, what can we learn from this and, and how can we grow better? How can we, um, you know, how can we make the future better and on a personal level, but also on a social level? hundred percent. And I just, uh, I am so fascinated by all of this and you made me think of, uh, you know, do you know who, you know who I mean by Laura Penhall, the, uh, uh, who wrote the Pacific, and she uh, is an incredible woman. I interviewed her on the podcast last year. And one of the things that she said was that because she's a physio and had been a physio for the Paralympic, uh, British Paralympic team for many years, and she had sort of purposely put herself in the face of adversity by taking on, it took her nine months to row the Pacific with the team, broke, broke world records and so on. But she specifically put herself in the way of adversity so that she would be able to understand. And that's what, you know, what, 
you know, you can never understand because, of course, she could step off onto dry land at the end of it and carry on. No, she would never be the same, but, you know, she didn't have the permanent uh, disability or so on, but she wanted to know what it felt like to be in a position where you, for very long periods of time, you were, you know, under extreme stress, duress, and so on. And it just made me think of the things you were saying about honoring the people that have suffered worst from this and by sort of putting ourselves out there to, I guess, make make better versions of ourselves. Does that make sense? Oh, no, too. It, making a, becoming the best version of yourself that you can be is is almost, I don't know, is that not part of what our meaning is, you know? Um, mm. we, and I think adventure is, is the, adventure is a bit of a panacea in my book, but, um, it, in my book and in my book, in fact, um, um, adventure is a great way of becoming the best version of yourself because there are so many ways that it can help build us as humans and, and develop us as people. Mm. So, um, and the way that I actually talking of adversity, the way I actually define adventure, because it's a really hard thing to define is I, I give a sort of scientific def definition in the book, but also my personal sort of take on it is that is, is, is close to that definition, but slightly different in that it's, a, it's, a, it's three elements that come together to make an adventure. Um, you've got challenge, but you've also got uncertainty and adversity mm. um, without being cold, wet and hungry or one of the above at some point, you're not really yeah. on an adventure. Um, if something's predictable, like too much of modern life, you know, um, and routine and whatever, if it's predict, if, if you can predict it, it's not, it's not an adventure either. Mm. It, you need uncertainty to have an adventure. And then obviously challenge is, is kind of maybe, maybe the majority of it, you know, it's this idea of, of, pushing trying something new going to a new land or or, or pushing your body or yourself in a, in a completely new different way and so these three elements are what combine to make an adventure and it's those three elements that that we need to to choose to um accept embrace you know engage in because the modern world has stripped so much uncertainty um out that we're not very good at coping with uncertainty so practicing uncertainty is a good thing. Mm. Practicing adversity, um, well, actually, no, it's not practicing adversity. It's more that adversity just comes as part of that mm. package. When you're out of your comfort zone, when you're doing something that new for the first time, you're going to feel, at the very least, uncomfortable um, because you might fail, and that might be your main mm. worry. You know, you don't have. To, it's not. It doesn't have to be death-defying. But that, you know, that's an element of it. Um, and then challenge, yeah, it's all about, you know, there's nothing quite like climbing your first mountain to see yourself differently. Pursuing some sort of adventurous challenge is... Uh... So we've talked about adventure in general. There's, there's, there's three things I want to ask you now. So one is what has been, oh, maybe there's, it's impossible to say what's been your favourite adventure. Um, I want to know that. I'd like to know about uh, what's next and then tell me a little bit about sort of Explorers Connect and uh, that sort of thing. So favourite adventure, let's go for that, if there's such a thing. Favourite adventure will always be 
the one that changed my direction in life. So Africa, going to Africa um, when I was 18, 19. I just, it reset, it reset everything. And it changed everything. So everything has spun out from there, really. Mm. So that would have to be my favourite. A second favourite would be Lesotho, um, beautiful African country. It's in the Drakensberg Mountains. Um, it's called the Kingdom in the Mountains. Uh, tiny little African country, absolutely beautiful country, but also really kind people, uh, amazing culture. I trekked around there with a, a, a team of young people on a youth development expedition, and uh, I met my partner on that mm. expedition 20-something years ago now. <laughs> oh, I'm feeling old. Um, and he's still putting up with me now. Um, and so there, yeah, he um, – yeah, that would have to be my other favourite expedition or favourite adventure. And tell me a little bit about what's next. What's What are the plans? It's a good question. Um, and as I say, this whole last 18 months has, again, there's been an opportunity to reflect and stop, mm. which I'm terrible at doing. I'm always like, oh, yeah, I'll do this. Let's do that. Oh, exciting, exciting. Uh, I'm always throwing myself into too many projects. I take on too much and I have to say no much more than I do. Um, and I do try, but I'm terrible at it. But this has been a great opportunity to reflect and think, how do I want to redesign my life? What I hadn't realized is that having a child completely changes everything. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't think that you can, it can be impressed upon you enough. So we call our son Jackson the love bomb because he it's like a bomb's gone off. Our whole values and identity, I don't know, identity, uh, my personal identity has completely been blown mm. apart, but in a good way. And so he's, as I say, he's nearly four. And so we've had time to rebuild and rethink. There's a certain amount of time I've had where things have fallen apart and um, I've had to think about what else to do. It's been a good chance to think, well, what is it? that I want to build back now. Um, Explorers Connect has always been the same thing. It's been about a mission to make adventure more accessible, to inspire people to live more adventurously. That's always been its absolute core mm. mission, but it's done that in different ways over the years, basically because it's my lifestyle. Um, it's my lifestyle business. It's a, it's a nonprofit. It's a, it's my passion project really. Mm. I, I see it as something that has a mission. It's something that's almost part of, was part of me, but involves other people. And it's, it's about, it's about achieving a mission because I've had maternity leave and the pandemic. I have been out of the front line for a good few years. And what I've noticed is that now the world is different. And so I think it'd be silly of me not to go, Oh, look, things have changed. Mm. Um, some things for better and some things for worse. Some of the good things that have happened is that there's more diversity in adventure mm. um, because that, that was something that I wanted to work on more. But actually, there's lots of good things going on already now. Well, not, I mean, there's still a long way to go. The other thing is that there's loads of um, adventure communities on groups like Meetup Group and uh, the Meetup and Facebook and, and just loads and loads of um, just local adventure like wild swimming groups mm. or yeah I mean there, there seems to be more adventuring groups than ever yeah. before and I think that's partly because of the way society is going we need something like this and also partly because of the pandemic it's like it's really held up a magnifying glass it's like we really need this stuff yeah so um 
by and there's also I, I'd like to think I think there's a lot more adventure companies opening up running adventure trips as well for people to join and so it's like well Explorers Connect filled all those gaps before anyone else did mm. but now it's less important for Explorers Connect to do some of those things because those things are being done now so it's more like well where can I I have less time than I've ever mm-hmm. had because I have a boy <laughs> and I need to give him my my he's he's my priority now and he has to have a lot of my time but when I'm working, and um, I, when I use the word work, it, I, whether I get paid for it or not, it, it doesn't really matter. As long as I yeah. eventually, as long as I get make enough in the year, yeah. I see it all as my work. Um, so what I need to do now is think: what is the most impactful way of using my say three days a week? Um, I used to work six days a week and all the evenings I have, but now I have a boy and I can't do everything. And there's also the, there's a lot of good progress gone on in the world. So I'm trying to work out how to redesign Explorers Connect to just focus on the stuff that's still not being done elsewhere and is the most cutting edge and most impactful because I only have this much time now, but I still mm, am mm. very passionate about about that. So the book was a massive step in that direction and getting that book and that message that you know there is evidence that adventure is not only good but it's essential it's essential to our well-being Mm. getting that message out is really important so i run a conference now called adventure mind and it's the first conference ever um and still i think the only one um that is all about exploring why adventure is essential to well-being Mm. and so i've been i ran that for the first time just before the pandemic obviously had to cancel the one in the middle going to run it again next year and so that's a that's a, I think that's one of the most important things that Explorers Connect does at the moment mm. um, because it's really pushing boundaries and the impact was fantastic from the first conference of, of putting practitioners, adventurers and researchers together to use adventure to help people's well-being and, and research, all, all the fantastic data around that and all the opportunities for us to... to anyway, it's a, yeah, it's really exciting. So... That I'm going to keep doing. Um, I love taking people on adventures and I love being able to provide for adventures for people. So there'll be a certain element of that, but I think I'm going to do less because I have a little boy now and I can't be off all the time without him. Um, I will always help people to put teammates together. So Explorers Connect is very much, it's it's about mm. connecting explorers. So if, if you're looking for a big, um, if, you, if you're looking for it to do some sort of a challenge and you all your friends have gone, why on earth do you want to do that? Then you can find people through Explorers <laughs> Connect to, to do to do adventures. But the book the book's really exciting. I've had somebody's come forward and sponsored one hundred copies of the book into young people's hands. They said, Right, we I want it. this book's important, it needs to be read by young people. So I've got un, some universities and schools who have um, who who have promised to have wow. the book and and use it and read it and share it. The book is, is written for everyone. It's full of adventure stories and the science is very, uh, a light touch, you know, it's very deeply researched, but I tried to distill it into very, into very digestible, popular science. Um, uh, it's not a textbook, but it's been really interesting that, um, academics, practitioners, your outdoor leaders, 
professionals are wanting to use the book and take the information from it uh, to do what they do in a more informed way. So that's been really exciting. Mm. But yeah, I should carry on doing adventures. Um, and I, I, and also on a personal level, I, I'm myself, my partner and, J- and Jackson, my little one, um, we are, we are, we, we need to go and do some adventures mm. together. And so we're, we're, we're walking the Southwest coast path little bit by little bit, but we need to go and do some chunks of that. And there's a whole, it's interesting, writing the book, finishing the book, there's a whole chapter on relationships and how adventure is so good for building relationships. Mm. Um, and there's some fantastic data around adventure holidays being incredibly important and, and beneficial for families and family relationships Yeah, versus going on a beach holiday, say. You know, so it's the best thing you can do for building family relationships. And for me as well, as I said earlier, it's like, Myself and Jim, my, my partner, we both we both love what we do. Jim's a, a bird painter; he paints birds. Oh wow! And we both love what we do, and we've both been passionate about what we do, and we we've both been workaholics because we love what we do so much. And we say believe in what we do, but actually, when you have a child and you have to step back from working all the time and go, actually, no, you know, you, you're parents. We we have to find out who we are as parents mm. and as this new family unit. We have to re. We have built a family unit and we're doing okay. But I think the cherry on top, the final stage, will be us going on an adventure together to really finally bond in our new mm. roles and in our new identities. And I've, yeah, and there's a lot of evidence and a lot of um, anecdotal and uh, other evidence that, that that's it's good. So, yeah, what better way? Writing the book, I was like, what better way do we do that final step of like, hmm is that we go on some adventures together. But it's it's really interesting to hear you talk about finding your identity as parents because I'm sort of, my kids are early teens now and I'm kind of coming out of the other end thinking, how do I find my, how do I refind my identity as me? And so I hadn't really thought about that, like you just said, you know, having led a really super adventurous life to kind of, kind of go into it thinking, okay, who am I? Now that I'm a mum, I, I, that's I think that's really interesting and good that there's evidence to suggest that these that all this sort of adventuring together. I mean, it's the old adage, isn't it? The family that plays together stays together. It's a bit cheesy, but it's so true. Yeah, well, it's it's, it's things like building camaraderie. It's also about shared vulnerability because when you're vulnerable together, you know, when you're pushing yourself and doing something new or scary, that vulnerability, showing vulnerability, there's, there's so much evidence that's important. There's, 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 and, you know, taking on a challenge together and having a shared purpose. There's a, there's a whole load of really good little, good nuggets mm. of adventure. Adventure ticks all those boxes all at once because it's so natural. Yeah. Because it's something we just should do. Um, and I, I would say to you, like, what I, by writing the book, I processed a lot of ideas and finally kind of got some light bulb moments. I, I might, I, I mean, just for me, I'm, they might be wrong. They're just theories, some of them. But I think that um, small adventures are really important as an everyday thing or, or every week. It's something that tops up our, our well-being physically and mentally, and they're fantastic. But I think there are certain times in life, big turning points where you need a big adventure where you need to step out of every day, step away from all the familiarity, familiar stuff, st- step into another world. It doesn't have to be abroad, but, you know, step into another another world um, and 
redefine yourself and re-find out, you know, find out who you are now and and then come back to your ordinary world with all those new gifts mm. and self-awareness. And I think things like um, having a child, getting married, um, starting a new career, obviously growing up, the classic one is going from child to adult. That's when you really need a big adventure. Um, those turning points, are, I think when you need a big adventure and a big challenge. Exciting. Now, so we haven't actually mentioned the book by name. It's called Adventure Revolution. It's out. It's available wherever you normally buy books. I sound like a very accomplished uh, radio advertiser, but there we go. <laughs> uh, but I wanted to, talking of challenge mm-hmm. and adventure, you have quite an interesting challenge, Katie, for me. In writing the book, I interviewed all these people that I'd been on expedition with, some of them 19, 20 years ago. And it was amazing amazing similarities that came up in those interviews but one of the things I'd totally forgotten about and I really loved at the time was that a lot of youth development expeditions I used to include something called the 24-hour solo and all of the young people who now not so young (laughs) but all the people who I took on expedition as young people um, they all remembered that the most that was like oh that was one of the highlights that was absolutely one of the pinnacle moments and the idea was that I would um, create a, a space where Every young person would have 24 hours on completely on their own in the middle of, of nature on the expedition. I would actually be crawling around with binoculars, hiding behind bushes, watching them. Mm-hmm. And they would have to check in on the radio every mm-hmm. however many hours. So I wasn't I wasn't completely reckless with their safety. But but the impression for them was that they were totally on their own for 24 hours. And the authenticity that they experienced during that time is amazing. And the empowerment and the and it was just wonderful because everyone everyone would use that 24 hours in a completely different way. Um, and the idea was that they didn't have tasks. They, they weren't supposed to be doing anything. It was just for them to be. And so some would sketch or um, some would build things out of twigs and like, build in the best shelter you've ever seen. 24 hours of just building a, a shelter. I mean, everyone just did things such so differently. But I don't think we give ourselves that chance to be on our own. Mm. And we definitely don't give ourselves a chance to stop and just be because we're always getting notifications on our phones or whatever it is. And so and also, I think there's that fear that we've got and maybe particularly Mm. women as well, the fear of being on your own anywhere, but also this fear of nature and nature is Mm. where we're supposed to be. That's the most natural most mm. perfect fit that we that most, it's the best fit that there is so w- we shouldn't really feel scared of it and yet I totally understand because um I I, I did my first 24-hour solo a few years ago um I bivvied out on um Dartmoor because I was doing a I, I was doing I was in between two projects and I thought well I could book a I could book a hostel actually or something but it looks really good whether I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just going to sleep out. And it was so dry. I didn't even put the tent mm. up because I, I couldn't be bothered. Um, and actually mm. I have realized I hadn't done that in years and I was felt so empowered, but I was also scared of like, you know, God, you know, every, every noise in the night. And I think essentially doing 24 hours on your own mm. in nature is the most beautiful, magical experience, but it's also hugely empowering. And once you've learned the skills maybe navigation, campcraft, and you've got the confidence to do 24 yeah. hours on your own. 
well, the sky's the limit. You can do, I mean, who knows what's next? I think it's, it, yeah, you can do anything. So I think it's a really important adventure step. And so it's something that I mention in the book as being a lovely mm. challenge, you know, that a little, you know, it doesn't cost, doesn't have to really cost very much or if anything. And yeah, it's a wonderful thing to do. So I'd love to challenge you to do 24 hours solo in nature, hopefully somewhere remote and wild. Well, that sounds amazing because I, I, I do, I do do reasonable amount of adventures on my own. I'm quite, I quite like being on my own for adventures, sets my own agenda, shuts me off from thinking about looking after other people or whatever. But what, while you were talking, what I was thinking was that I, I, what I've never done is, you know, we live in the Alps and sometimes we go winter camping, but I always have my husband to do all the sort of the, you know, pitching of the tent and the, the stuff. Um, and that's the part that maybe I would quite like to try and go off like on a ski touring adventure, pitch my own tent make my own dinner and stay out overnight in that kind of environment. So I'm thinking that might be a little winter plan for me. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Well, no, you've, you've just, you know, you, you've, uh, you've zoned in on the thing that's going to put you outside your comfort zone, push you a little bit, but it's yeah. terribly exciting and you'll have a new Ooh, experience. Yeah. You'll come back feeling different. I'd love to know how yeah. it goes. Good. Well, I love it. Thank you. That is brilliant. I will let you know how it goes. I, I try to sort of post on social media, the necessary evil, <laughs> but no, I do love it. It's a brilliant uh, um, challenge. Thank you. So thank you. That has been just brilliant. I could have kept talking to you for hours and I often say it, but I always, always mean it because, oh, that was oh, so good. And I would have had a whole other podcast episode on your actual expeditions, but I, I, I love the whole theory stuff as well. Thank you so much for joining me. It was an absolute pleasure. I'll put all your social media handles and websites and all that sort of good stuff in the show notes. Um, and hopefully people will find their way to, to you and to hearing all more about it and reading the book. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah, you can get the book as a Kindle, as a um, an audio book and also as a normal good old fashioned book. So um, I would love to hear. I would love to hear from people um, uh, if the, the book has helped them in any way or, or just inspired them to to go and do adventures. That's the idea of it. Thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that. I'll be back next week with some more great chat with another amazing woman. Bye bye.